Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. We don't just do church here. This is not something you put on your schedule and you do once a week. I went to church or I came to the church building to a local community of believers. We are the church. We live actively and we're an entity that demonstrates the love of God in the world around us, in our communities, in our neighborhoods. And, and what happens is if the only time you do the Christian thing or the Christian, the Christian hat is when you come to church on Sunday morning, you're not doing it right. Okay, that's religion that says I have to do A, B, and C uh, to be okay with God. You have a living relationship with Christ, and we want you in a relationship with him every day. You should be talking to God. You should be reading his word. You should be interacting with other believers. So we are a body of believers who demonstrate the love and compassion of Christ outside the four walls of this building uh, to our community. And we do come together for a celebration and impartation time. Um, and hopefully when you come in on a Sunday, you're going to be encouraged and challenged, and you're going to develop some connections with other people's. Remember, the Christian life is all about loving God and loving others. Serving in a local community of believers and serving in our community is expected of Christ's followers. Can everyone say expected? It's the natural byproduct of the heart change that happens when God gets a hold of your heart at salvation. Now, some of you are newer, I'm going to say, to WCF. Some of you knew me when I was about four foot eight, weighed 70 pounds with a full head of curly hair. Not too many of you anymore. Uh, yeah, Jeremiah, yeah, you remember. <laughs> I probably had more hair than I did weight. <laughs> um, but we've been working hard on our culture here at Windsor Christian Fellowship and our mission, our, our purpose, our vision as a church. It's been consistent pretty well from day one, back when it was a prayer meeting and they started the church in 1982. The way that we emphasize the vision and the mission, the way that we communicate it, it varies over the years. But the heart of what we do is we make disciples who make disciples partner with God to point people to Jesus. He redeems our communities, and it starts with your relationship with him on an individual level. And then over the years, uh, around a long time, I've had many conversations with people, and I hear things like, I just don't know where I belong, or I can't find my place here, or I'll say this. I assure you, if God has planted you here in this local body of believers, in this local assembly, he has an assignment on your life here, which means that there's something that he has called you to do and people he has called you to be in connection with. We have a pathway for some of you that are newer because coming into a new community can be challenging and, and finding your place can be a little bit of work for some. And, and, and that's okay. We have a pathway, though, that can assist you with this. On September 24th, we have all things WCF. They, they do have a continental breakfast. And, but basically, when you come to all things WCF, we talk about the inner workings of the church, which after 40 years, I still don't fully understand. <laughs> that was a poor attempt at humor. Where's Brenda? She's going to tell me I'm not funny. So, so what happens is you come in and we will explain to you, these are the things that we do. 
This is how we live. This is how we do life together in relationship. These are the things that are available. These are places that you can connect. And then we invite you into our design to lead orientation or discipleship to lead orientation. And essentially that is kind of the tool that we use to get people connected so that you can get onboarded into the culture of the, of the house. Because how many of you know, has anyone ever played sports? I see two hands back there. Thank you. A couple of you. How many know when you go to a new team, every team has its own culture? No? You only played on one team? Like when I played soccer, I had one team where if the coach saw us not running as hard as we should have been out on the soccer field, guess what we did at practice the next week? We ran. Did we touch soccer balls that week? Nope, we ran, and we ran some more because the culture was you give your best when you're out on the field or you're going to train and train and train until you can have the endurance to do your best. That was the culture. My daughter played for a team. If you don't show up at practice, if you don't do your run, you don't even get an invite to go play in the game. So they were doing call-ups all, all year because people couldn't make the commitment to show up on time and do what they were supposed to. So they didn't get to play. There's culture. There's a culture on every church. Every church operates with a certain culture. If you don't know the culture here, it would be wise to jump into the vision and get into the culture. We have a pathway for that. We also have connect groups. Hebrews 5, 11, and 12. I'll read the scripture first this time. <laughs> there is much more we would like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you're spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. But that's none of you. You've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. We have connect groups here. Some of you are mature Christians, and you should be imparting to others the wisdom and skill that God has gifted you with, leading a connect group. But you're not willing to do that because you still haven't mastered the fundamental principles of the faith. Uh, Mike, you can stand up. Wave everybody. This is Mike. Tomlin, his wife was the one over here that was singing, uh, here I am your favorite one. And uh, I tease Mike all the time because he cheers for teams that um, I don't cheer for. <laughs> but we're still friends. And we even, we even sit down when like his team plays my team. And anyway, <laughs> it's kind of fun. But Mike is our Connect Groups coordinator. So if you're one of those people that's been around for a while and you're mature and you should be imparting the skill, wisdom, and, and stuff that God's given you into others, you need to go talk to him and he'll get you in the pathway so that you can start actually taking your place, your role. And, and thank you, you can, you can sit. But you, you can come talk to him even right after or anytime hereafter. When you go home and you say you're going to pray about it and you actually do and God says, yeah, you're supposed to do that. Oh, yeah, that's another one. People tell me, oh, pray about it, Pastor. How long does it take you to pray about it? Because two years later, I'm still praying. No, it doesn't work that way. There's waiting on God, but then there's like, okay, God, yes, no. But his word has already revealed to us what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to make disciples who make disciples. I'm not going to tell you something different than his revealed word tells you. So it's pretty straightforward for me. There is... Um, Many people that desire to grow and mature, and this can happen effectively by attending a connect group. It's one of the greatest places that you can grow in your faith. 
there's age-specific or season-in-life-specific groups that we have, such as like junior high on Wednesday evenings for grades 6, 7, and 8. There's senior high and young adults. Um, I think you saw Pastor Mitchell up here. He handles those on the, on the Friday nights. Uh, on Saturday mornings, the men alive meet, um, and, and they have fellowship for all men, younger and older, together. Which leads me to, um, they were talking about our encounter. But anymore... Who even knows what the encounter is or how it operates or what it's for or what it does? So what we do is a couple times a year, usually September and the spring, we set up a day. It's a Saturday. It's an all day. Okay. And, and I'll be really honest and forthright. We used to do Friday night, Saturday into Sunday morning, and people would sleep here on cots. And, and I don't know if you're ever slept in a room with like 30 other people, but usually there's at least one person who doesn't... Um, grasp the concept of breathing properly <laughs> and everybody wants them to move into the hallway <laughs> but we just we rewrote everything and we made it a one-day event right now and we start by teaching about the cross and relationships and forgiveness and healing and restoration and how God can can heal you and restore you to wholeness and he's called you to himself and he loves you and he died for you and then we kind of move on into um assessing where we're really at in life and we look at our heart and what's going on in our heart. And then we, we get an opportunity to get free from bondage and, and free from the power of the enemy in our lives. And, and uh, we do those kind of things and then we teach about the new man and the Holy Spirit. We fill you up with good things and there's food and there's connection, but it's a great opportunity for you to um, solidify your faith and have an encounter with Jesus. And there's an atmosphere here for that. So if you've never been on an encounter, I encourage you to sign up. It's a one-day event on the 30th, Saturday morning, early to late. Clear the day. You know, I talk to people all the time. Oh, yeah, 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 where are you at? Oh, I'm going to be gone. I'm going for the day. I took the day off work and everything else and all my other commitments because I want to go and do this. Sometimes it's watch a football game on a Sunday. Sometimes it's go to the hockey game up in Toronto. Sometimes it's maybe you fill in the blank of what you like to do. If it's important to you, you'll clear your time so you don't have to, oh, I have to go for four hours in the afternoon. Don't, don't waste your time. Either commit a day or don't. We doing okay? But connected to that from the 25th to the 28th because we want everyone in the whole church pulling together for the big encounter we shut down things like the midweek activation. We shut down the connect groups. A lot of the events and activities that happen within our normal community shut down that week so that the people that are serving can come on the weekend and impart to everyone that's coming. From October 30th to November 3rd, we're going to do the same thing. I'll talk a little bit more about the journey to the king next week, which will happen on October 31st, and how there's a place for you on October 31st so we can invest in the younger generations. But all that said, um, now I'm going to begin the new series on the I Am Statements of Jesus. And, you know, we're going to do seven weeks on I Am, and then we're going to do seven weeks on I Will, the I Will Statements of Jesus. And God describes himself to us when he was here on planet Earth. He described himself, and he used specific language. And let's go back to Exodus Three, where we see this the first time, and, and in 13, but Moses protested. So Moses, he was in Egypt, as you know, 
Uh, there was an Israelite slave that was getting bullied by one of the Egyptians, so Moses kind of intervened and ended up killing the Egyptian taskmaster. He murdered him. Then he went and fled to the wilderness, and he married Zephora, and he was tending sheep for Jethro. And one day, he was out doing his shepherdly duties, and there was a bush that was burning, but it wasn't being consumed. Now, how many of you know fire requires fuel, oxygen, and heat? The fuel always gets consumed or the fire goes out. Okay, some of you don't understand the triangle fire. We'll talk about that another time. If you have one of those little tanks underneath your barbecue and you want to make a fire so you can cook really good food, when the little tank runs out of fuel, guess what happens to the fire? It goes out. Moses was watching this bush burn, but it wasn't being consumed. And that caught his attention. How many say, yeah, that would catch my attention too. Okay. God tells Moses, you're going to go back to Egypt, and you're going to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses is protesting. If I have to go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? kind of look at that and say, Moses had his doubts about God's instruction to him, about God's call on his life, about God's assignment on his life. Even Moses, the great Moses. Have you ever questioned God's call on your life, God's assignment on your life, what God's got you to do? You're in good company with him. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you, God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you, and this is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. God describes himself to Moses and to mankind in general as self-existent, as self-sufficient, as present, and his existence depends on no person or no thing. Self-existent. I was looking through some things on this, and I found this by Rabbi Peter Noble. And he starts with God presents him with a wonderfully, Moses, with a wonderfully enigmatic name, and I can't do the Hebrew, but Aye, Asher, Aye. And, and it's, you know, how is God describing himself? And he goes on later and he says, many people have written things about this, but I believe God said something like the following. I am whatever you want me to be. I am whatever you need me to be. You cannot know my essence but we will have a relationship and you will tell stories about your encounters with me. None of them will be totally accurate because I'm not a concept. I'm a living complex reality that can be experienced but not defined or limited by language. That is who I am and who I will be. So he captured some of what God was trying to describe himself. I am. And the truth is as humans, every one of you will interact with the creator a little bit differently. Every one of you is going to have a different journey with God. My journey will not look like yours, and yours will not look like mine, and it's not supposed to, because he's a living entity. Now, in the book of Psalms, and Ezekiel, and Hosea, even Isaiah, did I say Isaiah? Psalms, Ezekiel, Hosea, Isaiah. Israel is often referred to as the vine. Now, in those 
context, it's usually a vine that's not producing fruit and is useless. <laughs> and God needs to prune it. Or in one case, he talks about it's being burned as fuel, but it burns too quickly. We had the junior high over at our house um, uh, this, this last week, and, and um, we had a fun time. I made a couple fires in the fire pits. And, and interesting when you burn the little tiny kindling like the vine is made out of, it burns really quickly, doesn't it? But while that's burning, you have to get it to catch the bigger wood so that it'll burn for longer and make those nice coals so that the kids can toast their little marshmallows. And the world has changed a lot because I'm amazed at how many kids have never toasted a marshmallow. I was super glad to give them that experience. But, and I like toasting marshmallows. Some people like to stick them in there and burn them. a la blackened marshmallow. Hey, if that's your thing, enjoy. I like to just do this, and it swells up and gets all toasty brown, and, you know, you stick it on a graham cracker with some chocolate. And... Come on. That's called a rabbit trail. Back to topic. The vine will burn very quickly as fuel. It's useless when it's not producing fruit, is the point. Then in Matthew 16, I found this really interesting, a little bit of a different language because you're Greek, Hebrew, but when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied. So this is what they were hearing word on the street about who Jesus was. Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked him, but who do you say I am? He's not using the covenant name for God there. He's just saying, who do they say? Simon Peter, though, he answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And I really feel like that was like the revelation that cracked open. Now we're in the New Testament because Jesus is revealed as the Messiah, right? At that moment when Peter declared, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, or you're the Messiah, the son of the living God, all of a sudden, his divine destiny was realized by the whole group. And then... Jesus speaking to a primarily Jewish audience. I mean, I know he went over to Samaria, but I'm saying primarily his audience would have been the Jewish people in the first century. They would have immediately picked up on the 48 to 67 times that Jesus referred to himself with the covenant name of God, I am. Same name that was used back in Exodus 3. And he identified himself as a self-existent God. And then what he did is through the I am statements, he took seven attributes or seven attributes of his character and he started explaining it to the disciples a little bit. So let's see if we can do the uh, first one here. I am the true grapevine in John 15. I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. I'm gonna stop there for a second. Think about this. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches, okay? God is the gardener. If you're not producing fruit, what's gonna happen to you? Chop, cut off. If you are producing fruit, what's gonna happen to you? You get pruned. I'll come back to that. One way or another, the knife's coming. 
You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Now, what I have here in my hand is an imaginary grape. Can everyone see my imaginary grape? It's a beautiful grape, isn't it? It's a big grape. In this hand, I'm going to have an imaginary watermelon. Watermelon grape. In both cases, if I'm holding a grape in my hand and a watermelon in my hand, they are disconnected from what? And they will no longer grow. They're no longer going to continue to grow. In fact, as soon as they got disconnected from the vine, death began in the grape and in the watermelon. And it will take some time before the grape shrivels. It'll take some time before the watermelon decays, but over time, both will die because they're disconnected from their source of life. Jesus talks about this when he says, remain in me and I will remain in you. A branch can't produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. You can't be fruitful unless you remain in me. Then he goes on in verse five, yes, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You want to do something of eternal value, something of of lasting value? You can only do it through Christ. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered in a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. If I was to ask you, how how many of you would like to bring great glory to the Father? Most of you, yes. I've loved you as my father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. You must be connected to Christ. Big period. You can connect with people, but at best, other people are branches connected to the vine. If you're connected to a branch and you're not connected to the vine, if the dead branch gets pruned, guess where you go? With them. Did you catch that? You must be connected to Christ. Christ is the vine. You have to have a direct connection as a branch into the vine so that you can grow. You must. If your only connection to Christ is through another person, if something happens and they get lopped off, if they get chopped off, if they get pruned, and you're connected to that branch that falls down, guess what? You get chopped off. That's why we don't follow people. We follow God. You've heard me say, follow me as I follow Christ, right? 1 Corinthians 11.1, you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. If I'm acting like Jesus, act like me. If I stop acting like Jesus, don't act like me. You must be connected to Christ. That's what's important, okay? Uh, Let's back up. In the last 30 or 40 years, kingdom of God has seen many scandals. I mean, we've seen scandal after scandal with leaders in the body and many people who followed a man or followed a woman when the scandal happened, they're shipwrecked in their faith. Many aren't even in their faith anymore. And, and if people would realize that every leader, even me, flawed, sinful, human, saved by the grace and mercy of God, 
I can fail you, God will not. And I'll do my best not to, but the truth is I could. When people seek to build their own kingdom and not God's kingdom, inevitably it's going to come crashing down. Men and women who grafted themselves into a branch and not into the vine, they get swept away when the vine dresser cuts off the dead works. In my own journey, and I'll just, I'll use this as an illustration, but it's out there. You can find all this, Google it. Years ago, I think it was in 90s, 94, 95, my 20s, early 20s, it was this up-and-coming singer, and the guy was putting out some great stuff, and he was winning awards. His name was Mike English. And there's another band out there at the time called First Call. Meredith Jordan and Mike English, they were together on tour with this young Messiah tour, and for whatever reason, um, Michael and Meredith decided that they were going to make a child together even though they were married to other people. Okay. Scandal. Sad. It was a real eye-opener to me, though, at that point in my life because I realized how deceived and fragile humans are. We have to look to Christ alone because if you look to people, people can mess up. People can let you down. You know, my prayer for them is that they figured it out with Christ and they got their life back on track and repaired things. There's a heavy price to pay sometimes when you mess around with that stuff, but God alone is the one who will sustain you in your darkest hour. God alone will deliver you from the grip of hell. He alone can keep you intact when everything else around you is falling apart. So we need to be grafted into the vine or grafted into Christ. Then I wanted to talk about you can't produce anything of lasting value without Christ. Okay? A true disciple brings glory to the Father by produ producing fruit. Well, what fruit do we produce as Christians? I'm glad you asked. Galatians 5 tells us. Um, in 22 and 23, that this is the fruit we're supposed to produce. So I want you to look at your life and say, am I producing these things? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. That's the fruit that God wants us to produce as Christ followers. I'd be willing to bet that all of us can produce a little bit more of that fruit inside of our lives. But here's the thing. How many of you said you wanted to bring glory to the Father? I see some hands. Some of you aren't sure. You want to bring glory to God with your life? Oh, okay, okay. If you want to bring more glory to God, then expect gonna happen he's gonna prune you he's gonna cut things off in your life that prevent you from producing more fruit in hebrews 12 watch this verse 5 have you forgotten the encouraging words can everyone say encouraging words that god spoke to you as his children he said my child don't make light of the lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you for the lord disciplines those he loves and punishes each one as he accepts his child as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you at all, uh, sorry, if God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, it means that you're illegitimate and not really his children at all. Since respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit more, even to, more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing what the best they knew how, but God's discipline is always good for us 
so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline's enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful, but afterward there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Now I want to jump to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 for a minute in verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled. We will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Catch this. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we're weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. When we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We're confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. Okay, this is Paul. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. Have you ever thought, I think God's trying to kill me? Have you ever thought when you're walking through something, I don't think I can take another step or I don't think I can handle anymore? Have you ever thought, did I do something to offend you, God? Because I really feel like you're trying to wipe me out right now. You ever felt that way? And the master gardener is saying, I'm pruning you right now so that you can produce more and more fruit so that you can give me more and more glory. And yes, it's painful in the moment, but it's beneficial because at the end of the day, you're going to be giving God lots more glory. As a result, continuing reading there, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger and will rescue us again. We've placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. And you're helping us by praying for us that many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. In our household, um, my wife is the master of all things green. She's humble about it and says, no, I'm not that good. She's humble. All, all the plants that we have are alive because she keeps them alive with her green thumb. All the produce we get from our garden, which produces a lot of produce. We had massive stuff. I could show you stacks of lettuce and jalapenos and peppers and tomatoes and, and all the stuff that we grow, cucumbers, squash, zucchini, all that fun stuff. It's because she does it, master of all things green. But I remember some years ago, <laughs> there was this um, plant that she wasn't sure if it was dead or not. So she pruned it. By prune it, I mean she cut everything that could be cut off of that plant. There was this little tiny thing left. And I thought, wow, you wanted to make sure it was dead. But boy, did that plant explode. That plant exploded and it became a beautiful plant. See, from the plant's perspective, hey, why are you cutting off that branch? Ouch! <laughs> I like that leaf. Ouch! But isn't it like that when we have our conversation? Well, God, I was really comfortable doing this, and now you want me to do what? Ouch. But God, I don't want to serve on a team. I like doing it by myself. Ouch. 
but God, someone else can impart to the children or God, someone else can sweep the floor. God, you were only figuratively speaking when you told me that I needed to die daily, right? And that whole tithing thing with the money, God, that was just a suggestion, right? He's pruning us. See, when you're connected to Christ, the vine, as a branch, it produces growth inside of your life. It's the connection with Christ that produces growth. God is the gardener. He's the one that's gonna cut the things out of our life that prevent us from growing and producing fruit. Colossians 1, verses nine and 10. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. For all of us, our connection to the vine is paramount. It's one of the most important things is being connected to Christ. In your relationship with Christ, you need to kind of look at your own heart and do some self-examination and make sure, am I connected to the vine? The truth is, we have a relationship with one another within the local body of believers that produces maturity inside of our lives. Your identity should be set when you came to Christ. You are now his son, his daughter. You should be secure in that God has called you out of the kingdom of darkness and put you into his kingdom, called you a son or his daughter. You're a co-heir with Christ, the Bible says. And you have his nature. He made you to be an image bearer, okay? He made you to bear the image of God in the earth. So your identity should be set at salvation. Maturity is something that takes time to develop. Some of you are more mature than others. If you like gossip and talking about people behind their back, you're probably not as mature in that area as you need to be, are you? Right? And there's some people who say, well, I never do that. But if you listen to other people gossip, you're partaking in it. Still a growing opportunity. And there's others who are like, yeah, don't even talk to me. I don't want to hear it. I want to know. A little bit more maturity. So what happens is we have our identity set. In our relationships, we mature so that we can accomplish our mission, which is to go and make disciples who make disciples. To go take the message of hope out to the world so that other people too can become followers of Jesus and start taking on his nature and character so that they too can go out and start making disciples who make disciples. That's how the kingdom works. That's how God set it up. If you're remaining connected to him, then you're obeying his commandments. He gave us two commandments. Love me with all your heart, soul, and mind and love others. When you love others, it means that your will is not as important as serving others. Your selfish ambition gets laid down and you take up your cross and you die daily and you do the things God has called you to do and told you to do and instructed you to do, not what you want to do. And that changes the way we live. And everybody's like, yay, I get to die. But do you want to bring God glory with your life or do you want to bring yourself glory with your life? You're not going to be able to do both. 
You can try. It's not going to work. He gets all the glory. Will you steal some of it? I don't know about you, but when I stand before him, I want to say, God, you would get all the glory. I don't want any of it. Don't need any of it. Don't want any of it. No way, no how. Why? Because it's his. Only follow me if I follow him. If I stop following him, stop following me. I'm a branch. I'm not the vine. Jesus is the vine. You need to connect to the vine. Okay? This is really important that we understand this foundationally. And he revealed himself as the life giver, right? He, he revealed himself to us as the source. And every good thing that you're going to produce in life that's going to have lasting eternal value will come out of that connection point that you have with the vine. And the more he prunes you, the more fruit you're going to produce. So when you think God's trying to kill you, you just have to trust that this season will end and the next season will come and you will be producing more fruit and more fruit and more fruit. And then as you're producing more fruit, if you still want to give God more glory, he'll continue to prune you because you can produce more and more fruit as time progresses. Stand up with me. So as we come to the table today to celebrate, I think we're supposed to celebrate his death till he comes. Everyone just take a minute and look within, look at your own heart. Don't worry about the people next to you. I want you to just look at your heart, look at your connection to Christ and say, am I connected to the vine or am I just connected to a branch or am I disconnected? And if in your heart you can't honestly say I'm connected to Christ, then you need to have a conversation with God and fix that. Lay your life down. Father, as we, your people, are here together, I thank you that Jesus was willing to endure the cross, the shame and the hardship and the pain, the separation, the judgment, so that we, your sons and daughters can be secure in our identity with you so that we can be grafted in branches to the vine, the life giver. But Lord, restore our bodies to wholeness, heal sickness and disease right now all over this room. Restore our minds to a place of peace. That's our covenant promise. I thank you, Lord, that anxiety and fear have to leave in the name of Jesus you're helping us, your children, to be restored to wholeness each day as we put our confidence in you. Father, for those that are in the process of being pruned and disciplined right now, I thank you that you're producing much fruit in their life and you see the end from the beginning. Lord, for even the, the few in the room that think you're trying to kill them right now, Lord, I thank you that you're going to give them hope to walk through the process to see your glory on the other side. And together, as a local assembly of believers, we remember that Christ died for us and he died for others so that when we walk out of these four walls in a few minutes, that we, your people, God, can take the message of hope to the world and that we can let God be glorified through our lives. So we thank you, Jesus, that you were broken for us today in Jesus' name.
blood of the new covenant, this cup. Lord, without your blood, we would have no forgiveness, no freedom from the power of hell, no deliverance from darkness, no hope for a future with you. Lord, as we purpose to lay down unforgiveness and hurt, we purpose to forgive others and release them. We lay down resentment and anger and rage and bitterness. We lay down fear and anxiety and stress, worry, doubt, unbelief at your feet. Every dream, Lord, that seems like it's gone unanswered, we lay down at your feet and let it die right now today. Father, I thank you for the resurrection life of Jesus arising in the hearts of every man and woman in the room. That's bringing hope, that's bringing joy overwhelming, and it's bringing love and peace. This is the kingdom. Lord, we're willing to die for you each day, so let us live for you each day. And let us bring glory to your holy name. So Jesus, be glorified, be high and lifted up in this place and in our hearts and in our homes. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Pastor RJ. It's another timely message. We appreciate you. Thanks for coming back. <laughs> we have this plant here, this vine, just to show you the importance and just the simplicity of the vine and the branches. And this plant is growing just as it is because the leaf is connected to the branch and the branch is connected to the vine. When we are connected to the vine of Christ, he provides all the nutrition we need to grow and bear fruit. And then God the Father, as we produce fruit, it's like, okay, Aaron, you're doing awesome. You're producing great fruit. And I'm going to tuck you in here where you're with everybody else, and you're going to grow, and you're going to help the vine, work with the vine. God is the master gardener. He knows everything. But we have to be tapped into the vine of Christ. Nothing else. Everything else is nothing without the vine. This little leaf here is nothing. It's not doing anything because it's disconnected. It's severed from the vine of Christ. Do we want to be like this or do we want to be like this? Just remember John 15, verse 4. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. The Windsor Christian Fellowship, you have been equipped. Now go. Be the church. Amen. We at war, but have you even looked at the scoreboard?